there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. The goal, explain the 1990s in exactly 60 songs. The result, we did it. I'm Rob Harvilla. I host 60 songs that explain the 90s, which has indeed covered 60 fantastic songs thus far from Tupac to Radiohead to TLC. So let's do 30 more. Let's do 90 songs. No, we're not changing the name. More rad songs, more special guests, more astute critical analysis, more loopy nostalgic exuberance. That's 60 songs that explain the 90s every Wednesday, only on Spotify. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Football Podcast. It's, it's the Stadio Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I am all right, thanks, man. How are you? It's huh. been a while. Such a long time, I actually called it the Stadio Football Podcast in the first take. <laughs> Hello, welcome back, Ryan. Welcome back, everyone. Yeah. Welcome back, Musa. Yes, yes. I feel a bit rusty. I feel like, you know, when you go for the first training session, pre-season. Mm. Listen to what the takes are hot. I tell you that much. No, no. <laughs> have you had a good pre-season? Have you been... Um, practicing takes no you never practice takes you just let them fly don't you really <laughs> <laughs> I mean you let them fly that's true I do I, do. I bleep them out <laughs> <laughs> no I'm good actually um, it is good to be back and I kind of yeah there's a bit of rust but I think there was a moment the last couple of days I was on football twitter and I was checking out some games and looking around the leagues and I was like no I'm what's that John that John Wick line are you back yeah I'm back <laughs> I'm back. Yeah, we had a lot of people asking, um, well, I mean, I mean, we should probably do what we usually do. And first of all, we hope everyone stays safe and well and had yep, a yep. nice summer. Mm. Um, we had a lot of people asking how our summer was. So thank you very much, everyone who, who, who asked. Really um, appreciate it. Was, it, yeah. it was, it was all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, yeah. Um, I enjoyed Watching the, the, the Women's World Cup as a fan, mm. I thought Flo and the gang on Counterpress did an amazing job in the summer. They did, they did. Um, but the tournament was incredible. So I really, really, really enjoyed watching that with the backdrop of all of the horrible shit that was going mm. on in the men's game mm. simultaneously. Um, but no, yeah, I mean, we had like, we had quite a lot to do actually, didn't we? In, in, in the summer, so... That's true. Some, just, some, just, some just get the impression from my Instagram that I was gallivanting. Um, those, I mean, imp- you were. those impressions are not entirely inaccurate. There's I a was. picture of you on a boat, which is the real reason why Stadio <laughs> took an extended <laughs> hiatus. Yes, yeah, so like, someone's like, oh, that's how our podcast is. <laughs> I wasn't on that boat, by the way, for the record. That is true. That's true. Yeah. The police, um, the, the police did come over to the boat at one point, which is classic. Really? Yeah, it was amazing. I was like, the police are coming over. Someone was like, no, they're not. And I was like, the police are coming over. And they're like, 
no, they're not. They are. And they came over. And it's because the person who was driving our boat had gone out of the bounds into the ecological oh. zone. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> Outrageous. Shocking. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, anything fun? A lot of people are asking how many books you've written in the summer. <laughs> I've done a little bit of writing, but not enough to constitute a book is the honest answer. Yeah. There was, if I'm completely honest, there was a bit and I was like, you know, I was working on something. I was like, it's 30 degrees outside. And my friends are having vibes and I feel the call of the Berlin summer. And so I just kind of wandered out into the summer. I will be resuming writing though, as of this week, because, you know, got to get back to brass tanks. Hey, we, uh, have you, have you watched the bear yet? I have season not watched, two. I have not watched season two of the bear yet. Cause we've got season two late on this side, side of the world. So, um, yeah, I, I did, I did a back to back binge watch. So rewatched it straight mm. away and I was dying to talk about it today. And, Musa has failed this time. <laughs> yes. Bless you, because you watched the entire Game of Thrones just so you could reference it. And I haven't yeah. even watched, yeah. And you won't even do that for me. That's true, actually. Look at the imbalance. Look, and also the bear is so much better than Game of Thrones. It's so much better. But here's the wild thing, because I binged the bear season one, and then I, was, I told my mates about it, and they were like, have you seen season two? And I'm like, no, I haven't. And they've all seen it. <laughs> Unbelievable. I also became uh, a bit of a bluey aficionado this summer. Uh, babysitting my nephew it's his favourite show and um, that looks hilarious the clip you sent me looks so funny it's incredible I don't know if anyone here anyone listening has kids or is familiar with Bluey their cousin Muffin is a little bit chaotic right <laughs> and there is one episode where uh, Muffin comes to stay over and they, they're allowed to stay up a little bit late oh my god but they, Bluey opens the door and Muffin comes in and Muffin has skipped her nap so Muffin is basically <laughs> enters the house much like the Premier League has returned this this already because I feel like the Premier League is one of those where lots of people were kind of anticipating it and it just burst out of the traps with pure like it's so extra like just, we're going to book you and we're going to book you and like oh everything every game's going to last one and a half days because yeah football <laughs> and like honestly the Premier League coming back so far I've just been a bit like what is happening has it, why is this like it's gone like WWE Raw. Yeah, do you know what's so funny? You know, it's, it's amazing as well. The conspiracy theories normally kick in like late September. They're already they here. in mid-August, <laughs> like second, <laughs> third week in August. There are truthers. There are, we already have penalty truthers and yellow card truthers already. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Honestly, we're not even in September, right? The, night, <laughs> the days are still long and I have seen... I've tried to stay off Twitter this summer, right? Yes. Because it was, I mean, I did. It was great. Um, I feel like it was a little bit overwhelming returning to it with the Premier League because there was some stuff that got written that I was just, I felt like almost DMing people being like, are you sure you want to put that out there so early? Right, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Or just... Should that be in a Twitter circle? Or like you go back to check it five minutes later because something wild happened in the game and the tweet's already gone. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's the the Premier League's energy has returned with full blown, full blown chaos. It has. Um, but it's been quite. I think it's been quite fun. It's like what's, what's up that film Mad Max Fury Road, when the entire yeah. movie is basically like a chase. It's basically that Premier League Fury Road. Fury. Premier League Fury Road. <laughs> so yeah, anything? Any other things from the summer that you you did that were fun? That were there was just some really fun. There was a couple like fun events uh, back in London. Some readings. Did some, um, oh, shout out to Exeter, did some amazing readings down in Exeter, just a great group of people. 
back to college. Um, just, I just, I love that part. Of, I love that part of the UK. Honestly, man, like I would do so much more stuff down there if I could. Um, that was great. Yeah. So just some readings, did some stuff in German as well, which is pretty cool. And that was fun over in the East in Leipzig and surrounding towns. So yeah, I was in a bit of a, a bit of an odyssey really without football. And I, I, if I have one regret, if I will say this one regret, um, it was that I think I had a bit of football like burnout. I didn't realize how intense the Qatar World Cup was and mm. all of that surrounding stuff. And we'll get into this at some point in the other podcast, but just the transfer window and all of the stuff around it and the conversation. And I will say one thing, it just felt like, and I've got to say this up top, it felt like football got a bit too big this year. You know how there was a period in politics in recent years when all of a sudden all the world leaders were like super young, right? And some mm. were like really good because they're just natural leaders and you'd be a natural leader at 70 or at like 40. But some were very clearly like, it looked like they were like trying on their parents' clothes. And I felt like this was like the summer when football just like, it got like really, really big and had this massive microphone and was saying a lot of things, but it was like, you should not be occupying that place in public life. And it was just there. And I felt like you're, yeah, you're, you're saying a bit too much right now, football. So I feel like, yeah, yeah. I feel like this was the summer. I'm, I'm, and obviously by that, I'm separating the Women's World Cup because I think that from was a tournament yeah, yeah. point of view, it was one of, it was one of the best. It was amazing. It was great to watch. There was loads of drama, loads of really good football. Um, seeing all the stuff come, I, mean, I got, I got big, like big time FOMO. But you weren't out seeing there. all the stuff going coming back from Australia and New Zealand. It looked incredible. Mm. But like, so that's 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 separated from all the stuff that we're talking about. But okay, yeah, it kind of felt like be, uh, football reached its football reached its be here now moment. Wow. Yes. Yeah, yeah, there's those those albums, those bands that release double albums. You're like, this could have been like a tight 45. But yeah, still, man. anyway. So today, like we say, we're going to ease ourselves back into it. Mm. We'll obviously talk about some stuff that happened over the weekend. Some other bits of Bob, some shout outs. Let's do it. We put a thing out for questions. We had one from mm. Emily Oram who said, um, how are you guys managing to stay engaged with all the horrible off the field stuff going on? And this is a really interesting one because we were talking about what we're we going to, well, we were, we were talking about what to do on today's show because mm. obviously there's been so much stuff that's happened this summer. Like we talked about the, the discourse around the Saudi Pro League, the Manchester United Mason Greenwood situation, yeah. um, the Rubiales situation recently, which is still ongoing. We're recording this ahead of, I think, the uh, members of the regional Spanish federations. They've got a meeting this afternoon, so mm. ahead of this. So you probably will know more by the time you've heard this. Should we just jump in on that? Should I just jump in on that? I mean, Rubiales... He's got. He, he should have gone ages ago. He needs to go now. Yeah. The entirety of that federation needs to needs to fix up big time. The only debate actually is about the extent. Yeah. The only debate now. So this very quickly. So an overall thing. So I wrote a piece for um, British GQ about this, just kind of summarising the state of play and where I think it should go. And actually, can I just say before I go any further, shout out to all the journalists who've done incredible reporting on incredible. this. Incredible. Really extraordinary. Um, they've just gone absolutely in. Um, Alex Ibaceta, um, Semra Hunter, Colin Miller, extraordinary. Meg Linehan as well, just in terms of the commentary, the overarching work, just extraordinary, all of them. Thank you so much for keeping us informed. I just wrote a piece that kind of summarised a lot of it and then had a kind of comment. So just very quickly, so the state of play, so as 
the whole Sorry world. to jump in. Yeah. The actual state of play right this second, Alex has just posted a tweet saying, the newest wow. news on Luis Rubiales, his mother has locked herself in a church and is on hunger strike because of the, quotes hunt of her son. Wow. She's asking Jenny Hermoso to, quote, tell the truth. Wow. Wow, well. Like, wow, extraordinary. So look, this is the thing, the frustrating thing. So Spain obviously claiming the World Cup, thanks to the winner uh, from Captain Olga Carmona. That should be the main story here, right? They've won a World Cup. You lost their father the same day. Yeah, an extraordinary, an extraordinary um, victory in emotional circumstances for Carmona herself, for Spain, capping an incredible generation of footballers, right? The arc of an incredible generation of footballers that Spain may not see again. Like, so this is the thing, in terms of their best chance to win a tournament, this could pretty much be it. Because you look how quickly the other nations are catching up. And we saw that through the World Cup, even the nations with far fewer resources are really catching up in spectacular fashion. So Spain winning this World Cup against England in the final, that should be the conversation. That should be the narrative. But instead, it's dominated by the fact that Luis Rubiales, in full sight of the world, kissed Jenny Hermosa on the lips as she came to receive her medal against her wishes, against her will, and all hell broke loose. So as those all know now, I mean, basically, you talk about like a mum locking herself in the church. Well, effectively, he's locking himself in the church of the Spanish Football Federation and he's banging the door from the inside saying, tell the truth, Jenny Hermoso. The problem is everyone else saw the footage, the whole world saw the footage. Um, he offered um, Vilda, the Spain coach, a four-year contract. Vilda then turned around and was like, oh, what you did was, was inappropriate. What you did was machismo. I don't approve, even though he clapped Rubiales' speech in which he said, I'm not going to resign, um, which is pretty wild. The only, the only benefit, the only positive we can take from this horrific episode is that people have indicted themselves on camera. If there's one lesson we've learned from issues of sexual assault, harassment in football, it's that they're not taken seriously unless we have video or audio. That's it, unfortunately, because unless you have video or audio, it's easy to brush this stuff under the carpet because all you have to do is run the tape it keeps refreshing people's minds and people can't look away or they can't turn their ears away, eyes away. So the state of play is such that Jenny Hermoso has come out and said, this is not consensual. 81 Spain players, both current and past, have said they're not playing for Spain until Rubiales gets out, until its reform situations are dealt with. Vilda might go. Vilda's 11 staff have all stepped down in protest. So he's basically like the John Travolta meme. Yeah. There's no one around, yeah. Um, Luis de la Fuentes, um, Spain coach, mm. clapped the speech, but then t came out and said, I don't approve. The funny thing is you've got like dozens of men on camera who clapped for it. Um, the whole thing is so shameless. It is, it is, it is, it is so shameless. The head of the Danish FA, uh, member of UEFA said that he's not speaking out because individual members of UEFA can't criticize other members. Is that a thing? I think that's hogwash actually. Well, I, I think, I think it's a principle that they have, but I don't agree with it. Um, and obviously Ian's been very vocal on this. Uh, yeah, yeah. Members I mean, of the, yeah, Rubiales is what, vice president of UEFA? Absolutely. So. Members of the Betis dressing room, shout out to them. Four members of the Betis dressing room stepped out. Um, and Borja Iglesias said he wouldn't play for Spain until this is sorted out. Love to see it. Yeah. Xavi's he's made the, a strong he's, Sorry, he's one of the 81 players. You yeah, Xavi's made a strong statement. Um, Iniesta's made a strong statement. A few of the clubs, Cadiz. Pellegrini didn't. No, he did not. Cadiz, Sevilla. But the, this is the wider question. I, I touched upon this in my piece. What's so striking is the silence of so many players, uh, male players in particular, who could be speaking up because the women have come out. NWSL have been outstanding as always because they're always on it. 
shout out to them. Actually, also shout out to the US um, national women's team who get a lot of stick for political stances, even when they're not being that radical as at this tournament, but they always step up when you need them to. So yeah. honestly, one of my, sorry, one of my favorite, yeah, favorite ridiculous takes of the summer was that they went out because they were too woke. Like they hadn't won multiple World Cups being mega woke. Ridiculous. I know. Ridiculous. I know. Come on. Like, these people, just- these people watch football once every, they, they pay attention to it like for 30 seconds every eight years, these people. Do you know what we're going to do this year, Musa? What's that? I'm not going to back down. I'm going to fucking double, double down. down. <laughs> Listen. Yes, no doubt. But yes, anyway, so you, I was inter- sorry, I interrupted No, your- no problem at all. So just, just in terms of, of Lewis Ruiz. No, so that's as far as, as I'd got or we got. As the situation is developing so fast at the moment. And mm. the only question now, and just a shout out to the, to everyone who did the initial boycott in particular. Um, and in particular, don't get me wrong, all 15, incredibly brave. The 12 who missed out on the World Cup. Yeah. Especially those who would have expected to start. Yep. Yep. Led by Mappy Leon. And- who has just been incredible throughout this entire process. And I wrote in the piece that she's basically on the verge of the greatest victory that the Spain national team will have achieved, perhaps even beyond the World Cup, because winning World Cup is one thing, but to achieve cultural change within a sport yeah. is something even more remarkable, I think. And look, you look at like gesture, and some will say it's dramatic to say this, but if you look at like how often you have like a Colin Kaepernick, you have Muhammad Ali, you have Mappy Leon, like though I actually think it's in the same category in terms of sacrifice you're sacrificing at the peak of your career yeah. to do something that's right it's the same level of greatness it's up there with Kaepernick um, and it's worked out beautifully because if they hadn't had that boycott initially we wouldn't have the context what Rubiales had done on that note actually we retweeted a thread from the Stadio account by Michael Emilio which is mm. it gives really really good context for people who maybe aren't aware of a lot of the stuff that Rubiales has done prior to this yes. incident. So it goes way back to like his time at the AFE. That's amazing, um, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I'd, I'd recommend anyone who's a little bit more curious about it to, to mm. read that. And also I think with just, just while we're here, cause we're talking about stuff like that with the Mason Greenwood Manchester United situation, I think we'll probably hold off on that until more. Because yes. I think, we would only really like to have that conversation once. And also, yes. we're a little bit wary that we've been off for a little while while some of this stuff has been mm. breaking daily. And there have been some um, there's been some unbelievable work on this story, the Mason Greenwood story with Manchester United and, and numerous other things this summer by journalists who have been covering it and breaking stuff. Adam Crafton. Daniel Taylor as well, those United, two. They, yeah. Um, yeah. And I understand that so early in the season, a lot of people may ha- already have... I don't want to say fatigue, but it's been rolling coverage of this daily mm. while we've been off air. So what, we're covering this now, and I think we do the Mason Greenwood thing another time because I feel like we would want to we want to do some more uplifting stuff today as well. That's right. That's fair. Just a bit of a, just a bit of. But this leads on from Emily's question. So I mean, Emily, basically, Orham, yes. Emily Orams. I mean, it's it's been it's been tricky. I mean, it's been tricky because we've obviously not been covering it because we've not been on air. Um. I think from my own personal point of view, I detached quite hard from football Mm. after our last podcast we did at the end of last season to the point where I kept looking at transfers after a few weeks and uh, thinking like, what? Mm. When when did this happen? When did this happen? When did this happen? I felt like I'd, I'd pulled so far away from it. I mean, I feel like we've always kind of said this, right? You've got to take both. Mm. But I can understand that when there's been rolling coverage of a few multiple stories that have been really, really heavy. 
it can be really difficult for fans to like re-engage with with a sport that seems so hell bent on like you know kicking you in the shins. And there's something else going on, I think, which is the sport being back to front, where transfer market used to be a means to an end, right? The transfer mm. market basically like set the stage for the season. Now sometimes it feels like the season sets the stage for the transfer market. Um, yeah. And maybe that's because inequalities in the game where teams are like, you know, you look at the old, you look in the 80s where you'd have different winners of the FA Cup or whatever every year or the league. every, And now it's like, because people know where the league's going or the European Cup is going, or the Champions League's going to go, it's almost like the transfer market becomes a kind of prize in its own. Yeah, right. I mean, we hear who won the transfer market. Right, right, absolutely. Actually, do you know what? Yeah, Just yeah, before Chelsea yeah. fans get in our mentions again this season, because you all know who you are and you all know that you like to send us an email every now and again. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think Chelsea won the selling market this year in the Premier League. They uh, sold really, they, really well this they, summer. They did. They really, really did, actually. They cleaned out well. The one challenge they've had, they've made a lot of really good pur- purchases, but the dust has to settle, doesn't it? Great purchases, wild prices and wild moves, but great outgoing business but, from Chelsea. Yes, absolutely. Speaking, speaking as a fan of a club who has spent a lot of money, second only to Al-Hilal in uh, net transfer spend this, wow. this summer, um, and whose outgoing business has been not so great. Really happy for some of the homes some of those Chelsea players have found as well, in particular. Speaking of outgoing transfers, though, can we just, I know we're going all over the place, but yeah, this yeah. Is, I'm just so excited to see you, Moose. Uh, can we just shout out Kieran Tierney, who's living one of these like Stadio oh dream, dream career vibes? Stop, stop, stop. Celtic, stop. Arsenal, Real Sociedad. Stop. I know, I know. Sorry. Do you know what? We're going to... I'm going to... I think we should go and... When he drops the selfie with Hector by the pool, when him, Isco <laughs> and Hector... But they're at other ends of the country. What are you talking about? But they're going to hang out. They're going to hang out, though. Maybe. Maybe, gonna, after, gonna, maybe after a game. They're going to hang out. Come on, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I think we need to go to a Bass Derby and just when go, those go when, and when, when they drop the selfie, it's going to be... Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I took us massively off track there. Where were we? We, we were. were talking about, we were talking about, you know, it, how to stay engaged with all of this and stuff. And also about the game being back to front, transfer market yeah. and big stories. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to lie. I did, I did detach um, at some point. Sorry. <laughs> Let's Imagine stay in. in. Let's Imagine. stay in. <laughs> little, wee little burp there from Musa. Musa detached so hard that he's burping on the podcast. <laughs> the burp cast. <laughs> Can I leave that in? That was really funny. They'll cook me. <laughs> See, I, I did detach. I'm not going to lie. It was a bit of, um, there, was, look, there was a lot going on. I won't give too much behind the curtain, but it was a lot going on this summer. And yeah. Yeah, it was a lot, Ryan. It was a lot. And it's great to be back. Great to be talking football again. And look, despite all the challenges of football, there are so many positives. There's so many exciting stories. We haven't even talked about, no, I'll save the shout out, but there's one particular individual doing us very proud. Um, I, f- not, I feel like a proud uncle. Uncle's a bit strong because you wouldn't know who the hell I am. But if I were his uncle, I'd be very proud to be his uncle. And he's doing very well in Spain. And I'm so happy for him. So yeah, but yes, proud uncle. Yeah, so basically, it's already felt like quite an exhausting summer for a lot of people already, mm. especially with a lot of the stuff that's going that's been going on, mm. and especially because of the type of stories that these two most recent ones have been, would have been extremely difficult and triggering for a huge amount of people. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, I mean, 
I don't think it's really our place to kind of tell people how to navigate that, but I think that it's it is really important. If you if you if you want to stay engaged in the game without going too much on a, on a too much of a downer, I think it's you have to find those sources of joy wherever mm. you can. And actually, that might be outside of the things that have previously done that. So, for example, Great you can show, still appreciate yeah. the Premier League. Mm. You know, for example, we'll talk about the Newcastle-Liverpool game in a minute and some other the stuff from the weekend. I can still appreciate that, but I feel like it's almost, it's starting to move into almost like a different kind of category for me. Yes, yes. To maybe say, Union being in the Champions League. Yeah, definitely. Without sounding like a, an eye, without people eye rolling and being like, ugh, football hipster. But it is, it's kind of moving into this, this slightly different sense of meaning. Now. Yes. Sorry, talking on that point, just talking of hipsters very quickly, a friend's son out of nowhere came up to me the weekend and basically said, are you a hipster, Musa? And I was like, uh, uh. And then he fired off four questions to determine whether I was a hipster. The answer to all of them was yes. So I've been ambushed. Yeah, yeah. You're a hipster. Out of nowhere, he was like, do you- um, You don't have a moustache. Yeah, he was like, well, he said, do you have a small moustache? And I was like, mm, kind of. No, you've got a goatee. That's not a hipster. Do you drink, do you drink, do you drink fancy beer, he said. Uh, brew, and I, yeah, and I saw all these things, yeah. So you, you don't drink craft breweries. I, you don't, yeah, I do. do you? Yeah, 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 I do. Stop playing with your microphone. It's yeah. not hipster behaviour. Sorry. <laughs> Hipsters respect their mics. <laughs> Enough. Enough about me. Enough about me. No, but, um, but, finding so, yeah. the, but, but, find, but you know, like finding the joy, the whole point of football is there are so many narratives throughout the game in different strands at different levels. And it's just about going to that. And actually, can I just say thank you to Derek Ray, the great Derek Ray commentating the Bundesliga, because if you ever want, if you ever are flagging, you're ever looking for a source of football joy, I just go to his, go to his Twitter. And I have this incredible mix of society, politics, and tactical geekery and pronunciations and just football joy. Or and kindness. With, and just kindness. Like, or JJ yeah. J. J. Bull's brilliant videos along with John McKenzie for TIFO. And just, there's just so much happiness there. Or Flo giving it the chaos on the podcast and just the general commentary that she's done. Anna Dong with the enthusiasm for the Australian game. Like, there's just so much, right? There's just, and that's, I've been doing a lot more. And I kind of had to reconfigure, actually. Around the group stage as Women's World Cup, I had to kind of reconfigure because I was detached fully and I had to pull myself back in and go looking and mining for stories. And I basically spent most of the time just soaking it up. And that kind of got me back into it, I would say. Um, but you're right, I just had to reconfigure. And if anyone's listened to this podcast, like really thinking about where to find the joy, as Ryan said, look in the, look in the places you may not have looked before and you'll find so much, which is what I've done. All right, man, speaking of joy, well, it's not joy for Newcastle fans, apologies, but joy for, I mean, the joy for Ian Wright's historical takes. Yes, which, uh, yes. You know, Darwin Nunez came on and bagged a brace. Wrecked a shop. Yep. To shock Newcastle United yes. and secure a 2-1 win for Liverpool after being 1-0 down, down to 10 men. Arguably could have been down to nine. Um, what a game what a game this was a really fun game actually as a neutral I would have hated to have been a fan of either <laughs> either mm. side watching this game even a Liverpool fan really because there were points that I think the, the result masked what Liverpool fans have been going on about all summer in the fact that they have they're in real trouble in terms of their recruitment so funny is that both teams have spent big this was a real this game was a kind of, you know, like when the, when the US president makes like state of the nation, mm. this is like a state of the nation match for both of them. Newcastle, big investment in the summer on top of the money they've spent. 
Champions League qualification and people are now coming for them. You know, after three games, they've lost two matches, conceded four goals, slightly leaker than before. And that's not necessarily what it's meant to be, given the way they ended the year. And given the way, frankly, where they started this season against Villa, to lose the next two is a bit of a surprise, I would say. And it's wild Liverpool. They're in a situation where they've made huge investment this summer, but have not become significantly more imposing, mm. which is not a surprise given who they've lost behind the scenes at Liverpool, the big transition and shake-up. So actually, I just have to say, like, you know, Newcastle, ferocious at times in this match in terms of pouring forward. Oh, such a hard place to go, man. Really, really, really. Such a yeah. hard place to go. Because I also feel yeah. that Newcastle are in this, in this weird little middle ground at the moment mm. where they're not, they, they're obviously, what, like one of the richest clubs in the world. Mm. And they're in the Champions League. But they still have this perceived underdogness. Mm, right. The people who do understand that Newcastle is no longer an underdog are some of the new signings. If you mm. look at Bruno Gimaraes and you look at Alexander Isak and Sandro Tonali, they have all entered 20 or 30% further ahead than I thought they'd be from just playing. Like, look, Sandro Tonali, I watched him play for Milan for two seasons, a bit fresher before. The energy he's come in with, the swagger, like he's like, they're behaving, they're behaving like headliners, not in a negative way. You look at like Alexander Isak, he is further ahead in his development and confidence than I thought he'd be. So those are the Especially players. Especially after that initial injury, sorry to cut in. No, those, those are the guys that they've read the memo, right? Mm. Although I think, feel like Tonali obviously had that slight mistake for the goal and gave the ball away. But still, yeah, but he's, still he's still a really young player. Talk about mistakes. And, they, and, Mo Salah. and also, Mo Salah yeah, I mean, I was also going to say that Liverpool had, a, Liverpool, Liverpool had a long way to go. <laughs> Mo Salah got that. away with it. Yeah. He really did. <laughs> the yeah. one that went under Trent's foot for the first goal. And was like, Trent, I'm like, Mo. That was, Mo. <laughs> he gave him a boiled egg, Ryan. <laughs> he gave him a boiled egg. I mean, listen, man, maybe he's got like, you know, there's been a lot of talk about him going to Sa- the Saudi Pro League. Maybe he's just like, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, Newcastle start that first. I mean, Eddie Howe said something interesting. He said that they were better before the red card. And I think he's right. I think they, they this is something that I think Newcastle will learn. They started playing though. with their food, Ryan. Yeah. I mean, it, a similar thing happened to Arsenal against uh, Fulham, to be honest. Yes, Just yes. not taking advantage of going a man up and almost becoming a little bit passive where you really need to just go for it. Yeah. Um, they had a couple of chances that I think if they'd made better decisions, obviously Almiron hit the post, Harvey Barnes Harvey just Barnes squared it for Isaac. That's, yeah, the, that one, that's the one. Um, Almiron has returned this year on smoke though. The yeah, save I mean, by Alisson. I mean, <laughs> yeah, oh my, oh my God. I've forgotten about that save. Like I, I genuinely couldn't believe, like watching it live, like my eyes thought, I, I thought it had gone in and bounced out. They need to study it. That man's got an iron wrist. Yeah. How the hell he kept that out without breaking it. I mean, Almiron has just... It's so nice when you see a player who's had an incredible season return at the same level or higher. And he came in, he came in with a fury. I would say that Almiron was not complacent in that game. I just think that the Harvey Barnes moment is going to go down as, you know, one of the poor big decisions in that context, just to square it, man. That's 2-0 and it's over. Yeah. Um, Harvey Ellett and Diogo Jota I thought were good when they came on obviously Nunez yeah. with those two the, both, both finishes were <laughs> so sick so sick I want to draw a comparison here shout out to Didier Drogba because there's, oh. there's a quality that Darwin Nunez has which I think Jonathan Wilson picked up on the fearlessness in his really good Guardian piece the fearlessness to miss a chance and you know in Gerard's words to go again he went again and 
that's drug drugwood his best would do that drugwood miss a big chance and a split second later would be on it mm. and that is the mark of a really really special strike and i think that darwin Nunez is going to evolve into that and i think Obviously, there's so much noise around Holland, understandably, that Darwin maybe got unfair comparisons and was put in the spotlight a bit more because he hadn't had a run of form like, like Holland had prior to arriving. He'd been very good at Benfica, don't get me wrong, but Holland had had that Champions League exposure as well. I would at say Darwin Nunes, clubs. Darwin Nunes is right on course, I would say. Yeah, man. He's right on course and he's a big problem. He's a big, and the good thing he can do, actually, the thing he can do usefully for Liverpool right now is as they're struggling, you know, to get the midfield configured and some of the back line, he can help bail them out actually at certain mm. points in the season. I'm looking forward to him doing that, I would say. Actually on that, I think it's what, going looping back to what we were saying earlier about how to, I mean, maybe not f- specifically with what Emily was saying, but from a fan's point of view, mm. I feel like just almost taking a breath mm. and and uh, Tim Stillman wrote a great thing about how they're, you know, talking about Harvards in particular and mm. how, you know, basically people have already made their mind up and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, it's really, it's actually quite a fun place to be when you're a little bit like, eh, well, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. For example, Man City, everyone's going on about like, oh, this is inevitable Man City are already like, they've won their first three games. They haven't won their first three games of the season, apparently, since Pep's debut season at Man City, which seems wild to me, right? Shout out Sheffield United for making them, for exposing some limitations, right? Yeah. Shout out to them. So look, even though that the league shows that City have, you know, they've won all three, the margins of those victories haven't been as convincing as the league table might suggest. No. The quality, and also we say the Premier League middle class gets better by 20% each year. You look now, West Ham have spent that money beautifully from Declan Rice. Really impressive. Ward yeah, Prowse yeah. just so happy there now. Kudos. Um, Kudos just coming in the door. Unbelievable. Really excited for that. Like Brighton as well. Brighton looking beautiful. Losing to West Ham obviously the weekend, but West Ham are brilliant. Aston Villa, really exciting too. It's just, and also Spurs too. I mean, Spurs under Ange. Yeah, save that because I want to talk about Spurs for, for yeah, a little we'll bit. Save, but, um, we'll save that, yeah. yeah well, on Man City quickly. Uh, yeah, of course. Rodri is the latest contender. To, we've, we've updated Firmino's law. It's now Rodri's law. Oh my goodness. I, ne- I, I need people to stop telling me that he's underrated. Please. And also before anyone replies, like we know that it was formerly Carrick's law before Stadio's existence. We, we know Michael Carrick is underrated. Yeah. You don't have to tell me all of the other players that have now been it's, underrated. It's, Rod- it's Rodri's rule. It is officially... The Rodri rule. It is officially Rodri's law. Rodri's law, yeah. Um, speaking of one of the other Stadio laws, uh, Walcott's law has now been framed in, in, in an extra heavy level because Theo Walcott's retired from football. Oh my goodness. Uh, which is... I mean, it made me go a little bit existential, I'm not going to lie, but anyway, we've, we've gone way off track. Let's loop it back to Newcastle and Liverpool. Um, some contentious refereeing decisions in this. I think the, the Trent's first yellow is a bit silly, mm. but I also don't think, I, I actually think, I, was, I think the referee realises after he's booked him that it probably should have been a foul and that's probably why he doesn't give him the second one. Mm. Now, two wrongs don't make a right. He should have gone. Even Trent said that, I think, after the game. But the fact he was booked for the first one and the free kick wasn't given against Anthony Gordon is wild anyway. Right. Um, Virgil's one was interesting because at first I couldn't believe it was. Mm. And then I can understand why it was. Yeah. It's just, he's just, he's just a, sl- a split second too slow. That's what it is. He's just too slow. I just think that you roll the dice, you take your chances with that. Like, Sorry, Mason, you saying Virgil van Dijk fucked around and fell out? I mean, not so, I would, I'd never use that such language on the family podcast, but no, I don't. I think, I just think you got unlucky. What family listens to this podcast? That's true. You say that. <laughs> Apart from the Stadio family. Shout out to Stadio family. Shut up. 
<laughs> We've come back in hot. Do you know what it is? I would just say with this with Van Dyke, right? I just think he was so unlucky because the speed Isaac was going. I think that's, and that's actually, we're going to see that a bit this season. He's deceptive. Yeah, yeah. Deceptive. Yeah. Half a step. No, what's that thing they said in the wire? Be a little slow. Be a little late. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, and I, I, thought, I thought it was red because of the, the angle of uh, Isaac's fall. You saw it with the uh, Rashford penalty as well. Like when, mm. you cut, when you're going through at that speed, and it's, it's, not, like, it's not defender's fault. When you cut at that speed and you're playing a slightly higher line, it's just what happens. And of course, Van Dyke's gutted because he made an attempt to play the ball. He wasn't trying to hack him. That's the thing. He actually gets a good contact in the ball. It's just that Isaac cuts across him just before it. It's actually really good movement and good running from a forward. It's not Van Dyke's fault, I would say, in that way. Um, and look, it is actually a bit gutting because he got the double penalty of the sending off and the free kick in a dangerous position. But again, look, shout out to Liverpool. Incredible yeah. resilience. Yeah, yeah. Incredible resilience to they come were, back. They much better second half. Do you know what would have been really funny? Because you know Van Dyke was going off and being like, fuck off, don't touch me to the fourth official and stuff like that. Imagine if he'd got, because of all this descent stuff at the moment, imagine if he'd got like an extra bonus yellow. That would have yes. been so uh, funny. Uh, uh, like, and that counts for the next one when you're back on as well. <laughs> can <laughs> I say, like the first, would, would he have been the first person to have got a straight red and then a yellow card? Bonus ball. Can I say, uh, my sympathies actually with Liverpool, because I do, I do, I do believe that they needed the Carcedo transfer more than Chelsea mm. did. Yeah. Um, and there was such a clear plan, I would have thought, for Caicedo at Liverpool. And it was so strange because, you know, Ornstein basically announced the transfer. And when Ornstein says it, it's basically a done deal. And the fact yeah, that the they didn't go through, it must, yeah. God knows what, I mean, there's probably a short film to be made out of the Caicedo transfer and why that didn't happen when it did. I think he just probably wanted to go to Chelsea more. Like you've seen the pictures of him in the Chelsea shirt yeah. and stuff. It's, yeah. There's another, um, there's, we, we got to run on because we're, we're going on a, but one thing I will say quickly, just to put up a pin in this, and this is something I might return to at various months during the season, but I feel there is something irresponsible about paying such huge sums of money for players who've not substantially achieved because they won't say it publicly, a lot of them, but the pressure, Ryan. Oh, yeah. We saw, what we, I mean, we, we saw what he did to Kristen Pulisic, who's now having a whale of a time Pogba, at AC Milan. What did yeah. Pogba, to Pogba? And Pogba had, Pogba had won four Serie A titles and got to Champions League final, and it still weighed on him. And now you've got players like Mudrick and Caicedo you know, at least Enzo Fernandez, bless him, had won a World Cup with Messi and had gone through the furnace. But those other two, Caicedo and Mudrick, they're having to grow up in full view of the world with that fear around them. I just, I don't know, I kind of feel for them actually on that level. Anyway. Yeah, me too, man. I yeah. think uh, big transfer fees for young players is, is so much pressure. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really, it's yeah. And it's, it's one of the reasons why, I mean, we saw it with Jaden Sancho when he went to Manchester United. We've seen it with numerous other players. There are obviously exceptions to the rule. Jude yeah. Bellingham, prime example this season, who. Yeah has just taken La Liga by storm. Another win, another goal on the weekend on Friday night, late winner for him. Um, he's, he's just, he's just super, that good though. We've seen, we've seen Jude from like his first game at Dortmund. I mean, even back in the Birmingham days. Um, and he's, he's just always looked like he was going to progress to that level. We, we, we often, I think, want players to stay at somewhere a little bit more we actually had a question. Sorry, I can't remember who it was, but it was about Musa Diaby. Musa mm. Diaby, there was a lot of rumours about him leaving Leverkusen a season earlier than he did. Mm. And I feel like the way that he's taken to Villa, Love taken that to move. the Premier League. Love that for him. Villa, is, Villa looked great, man. I mean, Villa, Aston Villa, Matty can bring off Nicolo Zaniolo, right? Can bring off Zaniolo off the bench. Dude. Did you see also, that? Was the, the, sound of, the sound of Matty Cash's second goal. No, Dude. his first goal was yes. sick. Dude. It was so good. The movement. I, the yeah. movement. Yep, yep. 
I loved, um, it, loved it. Right, let's dart around a little bit because yeah. um, we want to shout out some people. So uh, also Newcastle, just quickly on them, they're going to be fine, right? They're going to, it's just... Well, yeah, yeah. Eight, eight, eight is going into four this year, right? So there are going to be four very disgruntled fan bases. And also like some of those teams that are a bit lacking before are up mm-hmm. to speed. We've seen some brilliant football already. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, props to Fulham. Um, that was a massive point for them. They really, they, they did really well to, to, to get back into that. I think from an Arsenal point of view, just quickly, uh, nine times out of 10, Arsenal win that game. Yes. Actually from a pl- playing point of view, they were great. A silly mm. error at the beginning. They need to get, they need to sort that out. There's probably formation changes that are going to, Mm. going to happen soon I feel like Arteta has been trying this in the early stages just to try and figure some stuff out right. I'm refusing to get worried or stressed about Arsenal in August I'm sorry um, that's right we mentioned West Ham they've been great uh, Chelsea got a good win on Friday but mm. um, can we just talk about Spurs quickly because, oh my god please yes, yes. Uh, Harry Kane has gone to Bayern I think this is a a move that is going to work out really well for both. He's he scored a couple on Sunday, one penalty and one lovely finish. Um, He's looked really Bayern's good. Win at home. Really good. He suits the shirt very well. He looks like a Bayern player, like from the jump. He was the most Bayern player that hadn't played for Bayern, wasn't he? Until he went. <laughs> 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 um, Spurs beat Bournemouth two 0 on Saturday, and so far there have obviously been. I mean, they beat Manchester United last week, obviously as well, and. Ange Postacoglu is mega. And I, I, we have a lot of friends who are Spurs fans, right? And they've really fucking been through it over the last few years. I feel like the pain of losing Harry Kane is going to be vastly outweighed by the positivity of having this new dynamic style, maybe some younger players coming through, less reliance on, on, on a talismanic striker. Mm who is constantly being linked with moves away. And the, high, the, the profile of having an England captain up front, it's, big, it's a big deal for a right. side that isn't winning stuff, right? Give Ange time, give him what he wants, because everywhere he's been, when he's been given what he wants, he's, he's basically proved everyone that he's a really good coach. Mm. And just free season. This is a free season for Spurs, if you think about it. If they don't finish in the Champions League spots, few people tip them for top four right, from what I looked at before. Have a nice season of like, just going to see what happens this year. Just let Ange cook, man. Ange just ball. Let, let Ange ball. Ange ball. I'm Listen. loving it. You know, it's like, it's like watching, watching them. What are you going like, to say? Um, I'm loving Ange instead. Yeah, well, I love it. Shout out to Robbie Williams who actually sang that, which is incredible. Can I say this about Spurs? When you remove the fixed point of an attack, and the team becomes even more devastating. It reminds me of when United had that sort of front three of Tevez, Rooney and Ronaldo interchangeable. And you see Spurs now, they had that front three of, was it Kulisevsky, Perisic and Son at one point. And it's like watching like a flight of swans. Mm. Everyone floating in and out. Madison, I mean, Madison, even like... <laughs> Did you see the thing that happened when he went over to take the corner? Incredible. Oh my God. So basically, <laughs> the Amazing. Bournemouth Sands were saying, Southgate doesn't pit you because you're shy or something like that. So, so Southgate's like, they were like, they were they're cussing him because he was that Southgate's golden boy and saying he was rubbish. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and he walks he just the corner the- flag <laughs> as if he hadn't seen them or heard them to take the corner. <laughs> yeah. And then he puts the ball way out of the corner spot as if he's going to take it. Yeah. And then he looks up and laughs at the crowd as the lines are And then you hear back. one of the Bournemouth fans being like, oh yeah, top man or something. Oh, he's all Nothing. right, that guy. Or something like that. He, put on so his, he, put, he put on his TikTok as well. He put it's on his TikTok. so funny. I didn't know I love about Madison as well. Madison, here's a good example of someone who 
is no longer the underdog. Like even his posture mm. and body language, like yeah. him at Spurs now, the way he fills that shirt in terms of he's center stage now. He was at Leicester, don't get me wrong, but there's something about the way you're at Spurs. It's almost weirdly like a Teddy Sheringham type vibe. Yeah, totally. Teddy Sheringham. But Teddy Sheringham went from Millwall, obviously where he ran the show, to Forest and then to Spurs, and each time just stepping up and becoming an even better version of himself. And I feel hey, like... Sorry, that's big of you as a Man United fan, not to mention the Spurs. I thought you would go Spurs to Man United, but that's good. You're a proper football man. Look, I, mean, I, I love what he did at United, but sharing with Spurs, come on, let's... This is the this is Prosecco football. Evan T. Hainos says, are the new Spurs legit? Beautiful, yeah, they are legit. Beautiful, beautiful they they might not win anything this year, but they might do, but, they, but I think that it kind of doesn't really matter. That's what I'm saying. It really doesn't matter if Spurs win anything or not this year. While there are personnel issues that another couple of transfer windows are going to need, you're going to need those to sort them out. It's all, it already feels way more positive around the place. Like some of the football's been brilliant. They were brilliant against Man United. Um, some of the signings have been great. They're going to be fine. I'm going to give them my biggest compliment, which is that during the lockdown, the pandemic, Bielsa's leads are the team I would watch because they would guarantee to lift my mood. Mm. And on a weekend, if things, you know, aren't all that great, I will tune in to watch Andrew's Spurs because I'm guaranteed to see at least one passage of play that will be really heartwarming and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest compliment I can give in terms of Premier League team. Shout out to Manchester United for coming back and beating Nottingham Forest, but also can we shout out Tywo Arani? Yes. Absolutely. Uh, he breaks a 28, he, break, he broke a 28 year old Nottingham Forest Club record for scoring in seven consecutive Premier League games. Incredible. And he was almost kind of like baiting a tackle <laughs> on his first goal. It was, I mean, man, Tyra, Tyra I mean, he's great. What a journey um, he's been on as well. Yeah. Amazing. Good win for Manchester United, that. Yeah, it needed it. it. They really needed it because. Uh, Still quite a lot of stuff to figure out in a football sense. Well, I mean, in every sense, to be honest, but yeah, um, definitely in a football sense. Yeah. Um, Brentford drawing one more, uh, one over Palace. Everton are in trouble. Right, quick one. They're in trouble already. It's in August. Uh, Aaron mm. Duran says, I don't think my heart can take Rice saying, I don't know, I think Everton will be all right for a third consecutive. So let's not, <laughs> let's, not, let's not say it then. Let's not say it. Let's not tempt fate. I mean, it's August. Yeah. If they're in this position in March, hit me up again. Shout out to Sheffield United who have struggled well, in terms of points, but in terms of performances have really shown us something impressive. So hope they start getting the points to go with the quality of what they produce so far. I have a slight issue with Burnley. Really? It's company's touchline drip. Oh. I think it's sending mixed messages. It's um, cap, suit, round neck, trainers. <sighs> I'm just saying that I think, it, I think a little bag. bit more of a consistent approach. Mm, it's giving Nagelsmann. Some quick shout outs to finish. Yes. And what we're looking forward to and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out Christian Pulisic. Yes. He's made a great start to life in Milan. And Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Ruben Loftus-Cheek in that midfield looked, they were really good against Torino on Saturday. They beat them 4-1. Uh, another goal for Pulisic. He scored in his opening two Serie A games now. Uh, two penalties for Giroud. Teo Hernandez at the end of the first half got the, uh, got the other goal. But, um, they're looking pretty fun so far. But Milan. Also, they're looking mean. They are looking mean, aren't they? They're hungry. There's people. They got, do you know what's sick about this? Sammy Chukwueze coming off the bench, dude. Just that's uh, this Milan team uh, has improved. Dude, like the quality of this Milan team. 
I'm really excited by them this year. Really, really excited. Me too. Strengthening so many key areas. Pioli in the mix. Also, rather like Spurs losing Kane, they've lost Slatan. Yeah. And there's um, a chance to write a new chapter for them, which is exciting. That's going to be important for them because Napoli kept Quaratscalia and Ossimen against maybe the odds, actually, considering the offers they would have got. So they're going to run it back Napoli, which is exciting for them. And Juventus are, they're showing their teeth again. Not the best result of the weekend, but they're showing signs of maybe being back. Mm. So yeah, Serie A this year, really, really exciting to keep an eye on. But I just want to do a quick shout out um, if any, if to anyone this year. I'm not going to be keeping my eye on a team so much as on a player, just Jude Bellings, sorry, Jude Bellingham's effortless transition to football in Spain, where he's become integral to everything they're doing. Yep. A time when they've lost, I think, Rodrigo through injury, and they might have to play, I think Jocelo might have gone out, I'm not sure, they've got, they've got a couple of injuries, but the goals that he's scoring and the movements he's making and the way he's playing, Ancelotti doesn't normally come out and get that excited about someone. But he was just like, this boy has, could have been here for years, basically. This midfield on, that they played on Friday, <laughs> Chumaney, Camavinga, Bellingham, Valverde. I mean, it's, outrageous. it's like something that someone's pieced together on like Football Managers 2021. Do you know what I mean? Like ahead of time. And they've, you know, they're, they're actually on their like 10th season on Football Dude, Manager that, that's, 2019. That's and the box of they're, death. They're, that's the box of is. death. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, I mean, if you look, for example, how, I know Barcelona won a, a dramatic game against Villarreal on the weekend. Hell of a game. But, but they only registered, what was it? They only registered Marcus Alonso on Friday, I think it was. And you look at how they've been pulling le- like levers left, right and centre and they've had to refinance this and do this and do this. And their transfer policy over the last few years has been an absolute mess. Mm. Real Madrid, low-key, have just pieced together this absolutely elite young midfield that could... I know there was a lot of talk about Chiumeni being for sale and Camavinga at some points, which was weird to me. But that four could be... I'm going to, I'm going to stray into Musa Okwanga territory here, so apologies, everyone. Fling it out there, go on. I'm going, to be, I'm going to be reckless with my take here. This could be the most dominating midfield in Europe for like a decade. It could be. It has the quality. It could be. It, has the, it has the potential to be that. I'm not saying it will because you never know, but like on paper, you look at that and you're like, Wow. The, the, the technical, um, mental, and physical level mm. of all four of those guys is unbelievable. I can't um, think of a young midfield like it. And that's before Mbappe arrives, if he arrives. Wow. This is the thing, because that box midfield is so good, you can basically have two strikers across the top of it, no matter who they are. And because all they have to do is be good at movement, they don't even have to be good at scoring goals because those four strike, those strong midfields between them will get goals for you. And the thing about this midfield I can give the greatest compliment is it's Champions League ready. It's late stage of the Champions League ready. Really, really excited to see where that goes for Madrid and where it goes for Bellingham. I'll be tuning in a lot more. Me too. Um, let's save Roma chat for when Romelu turns up <laughs> for, when the, where, for when the dust settles at Roma because there's still plenty of dust to settle at Roma any other shout outs from the weekend no can I just shout out Union because they've had two 4-1 wins in their first two Bundesliga games and they're top of the league 
And for a, for a side that really started to, was really struggling to score, especially when they first came into the league, talk about recruitment and unbelievable year-on-year transfer policy. Seamless transition. Their transfer policy, like if there was a one single transfer that I think could probably sum up how wrong things have gone for Hertha over the last few years, it's Lucas Toussaint leaving Hertha and going to Union. Because when Toussaint went to, I, I think people forget how highly regarded Lucas Toussaint was when he went to Hertha and how everyone, everyone wanted, wanted him. Everyone wanted him, yeah. And then he's not only stayed in Berlin, he's just moved, he's just moved across to, to Union mm. to play Champions League football in Hertha Stadium. Love that for him. And I, can I say about Union, what I love about what Fisher's done, the way he's like allowed his team to evolve. Mm. set piece, counter-attack, then more expansive football, then more width. Then you've got that fluid in front, the, fl- the fluid forward line with the kind of pinch-hitting goal scores come off the bench like Sven Mikel. And then you're adding that more quality. But, but the thing about they're doing at Union is really impressive is they're signing players who love to be there. And that sounds like an obvious thing, right? But actually, in a game of growing inequalities in terms of the financial side, you sign players who are A, completely wedded to the tactical plan you prepared for them, and B, exceptionally passionate. Like Robin Gosens, the effort he went to, two goals on debut, that is not just someone who is a brilliant footballer at that level. It's someone who is bursting with enthusiasm. I'll be the point to prove. You know, he's come back from Atlanta, he's in Germany, and he's balling out. And it's just really joyful place to be and really excited to see them in the Champions League actually and see what they do see how deep they go they can go yeah Robin Gosens for the uh, the most stadium transfer of all time yeah incredible Robin Gosens to Union Berlin. even more than um, Santi Cazorla to Oviedo <laughs> I know yeah. and Kieran Tierney to, to, to Real Sociedad there's some it. big 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 stadio transfer sisters. Uh, one more shout out before we go I want to shout yes. out by Leverkusen because they beat oh, Gladbach yes. 3-0 on the weekend they Love were that. very very impressive Grand Xhaka's playing really well looks very settled in that um, midfield and also Florian Wirtz is oh my god loved that for him loved fit that. healthy starting the season well he um, he looks glorious he looks player. really good um, only the second round of the Bundesliga games but already shaping up to be a pretty good season yeah in, in what could be, I, I mean, I'd say Serie A is probably the most wide open top, I think it's the top one to, five it's the league. One to watch. I think it's the one to watch. Um, but yeah, I think, I, I mean, I know I say this every year, but, you know, Bundesliga could be, could be good. Uh, let's have a couple of quick, quick questions before we go. Let's, uh, uh, we had one from Scott Monroe on favourite transfers of the summer. We've mentioned them all. So um, let's finish on this one from, uh, I think, Clive. Who says, since you just had summer and I'm going into it, do you have any good wardrobe recommendations? Wardrobe recommendations? I look, I've been wearing a lot of these like Kente, like Ghanaian shirts. And they're really good because it's like sort of crossover, like smart, casual. So check out like, yes, yeah, so Kente print, really, really nice. Can't go wrong with those. For those of you who feel like you can't pull off something like that, I would, <laughs> every summer wardrobe, in my opinion, needs... You need to have the Birkenstock Bostons. Ooh. You need to have a pair of Birkenstock Bostons in there. Because mm. it's just a very versatile summer shoe. Can't go wrong. So yeah, there you go. There are our wardrobe recommendations. Could you talk about two very different... That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, should we roll? Let's do it. Quickly before we go, you're on Wrighty's house twice this week. Can't wait. Twice. Twice, twice. Back in the studio on Tuesday, first episode of Wrighty's house with you and Carl and Ian. We'll be there. Um, we'll be there. Guest, I guess on Friday. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be there. We'll, we'll be, be there. there. 
until then, you know the usual stuff. Stadio Outro's playlist on Spotify. Every outro we play out on each episode. Um, we're starting the season off with um, Hudson People, Trip to Your Mind. Anything you want to add, Moosewak Wonga? Nothing further. All right, everyone, much love. It's nice to be back. Sorry if it's a bit rusty, dusting off those cobwebs. <laughs> we'll get back into it. We'll get up to speed soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, back with you Thursday. See you then.